Hey, I'm Will. And I'm Sarah. This is our little podcast. About big plays. And this week, we are covering Tennessee Williams' masterpiece, Cat in the Hat. So close. Um, It's Cat in the Hot Tin Roof. That makes no sense, but okay. Well, they say it a million times in the play. They so. do. Yeah, they really do, actually. <laughs> well, great. What else are we going to talk about in this little podcast? Well, we're going to talk about Tennessee Williams' life. We're going to talk about the plot. We're going to talk about some themes. And we're going to... Cast the freaking play with some modern-day celebrities and people we'd love to see in our dream cast. So stick around. Cue the theme music. Valentine's Day. Oh, really? Oh, thank you. I know. It's a day later, but you know. Oh, yeah. We had a pretty good Valentine's Day, though. Yeah, we did. And this is kind of like our Valentine's episode. It is. It's not the most romantic of plays, no. but it does center around a husband and wife. Yes. And so actually, a couple husband and wives. Actually, three husbands and wives. Um, Very true. Yeah. So there's a, a lot of little themes of like lust and love and stuff. Yeah, because we chose it because. Um, you know, you see Elizabeth Taylor on the cover of most cat oh, on a yeah, hot tin yeah. roof type posters she and she's in like movie. in like sassy like nighttime little, lingerie little, yeah, of the nineteen fifties. Little dress or whatever. Nightgown. Yeah. Um, so I imagined it was gonna be like a very sexy play. Cause you we had never read it before no. this, which is sad. But yeah. um but it's not terribly it's not it's super really sexy. sad super sad <laughs> yeah and um, i can see like why but like well we'll get into it yeah. but yeah but yeah it's a good choice we, you know we threw around a couple of different choices yeah. like romeo and juliet we thought we could dive into some shakespeare i was like william i don't want to be that cliche that we're gonna choose romeo and juliet no, so we went you. the opposite so we went tennessee williams yeah, <laughs> yeah. um who um, i think wanna... is one of the most romantic writers you think yeah, but in, in like opinion. a in like a, but not in like a in like a like sexy way like a. No, I just think he uses like language really beautifully. Yes, he does. Yeah, yeah, that that is that is true. Yeah, the way that his characters talk is very distinct. Yes, yeah, they for go sure. on and on, but in a oh beautiful my gosh. way. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. So, uh, do you want to get into a little bit of about Tennessee Williams? I do. I do, in fact. Yeah, I feel like we should do all like this. All the plays take place in the South. And, Southern draw. Uh, New Orleans. and I miss and Savannah. Where is Captain <laughs> Hawkins Roof even set? Oh, it's Mississippi, isn't it? <laughs> they go to Ole Miss. Oh, That's I don't remember. That's the college that, they, that Brick went to. It probably is Mississippi. Anyway. But our boy, Tennessee Williams, actually was named Thomas Lanier Williams the third. And Wait. his pen name is Tennessee Williams. Yeah, his his friends started calling him that in college, I think. Yeah, I love yeah. when a person has a pen name. I don't uh, know. I just feel like that. Was it Thomas? Yeah, definitely Tennessee's. Tennessee's way, way cooler. Way cooler. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he is considered one of the most like foremost playwrights of the 20th century in regards to American drama. I'm sure For if sure. you've been listening to our podcast, you have heard us 
mentioned Tennessee Williams. I remember one, one too many times. I remember once when you we were talking about Arthur Miller, and you're like, Ugh, I hate when people mention Arthur Miller and Tennessee Williams because they're just like cliche. And I'm like, yeah, but well, for the, a reason. Yes, they are the foremost dramatic writers on um, the 20th century. Yes. Um, but he was born in Columbus, Mississippi. Yes. And his sense. father was a traveling sa- shoe salesman and an alcoholic. Huh. So, that doesn't come up ever in his writing. <laughs> uh, yes. What, problem relationships with your father? Come on. <laughs> Never. Alcoholism? Or your family? Yeah, so come I thought on. it was important to go into like his yeah, family he's, history. He's very autobiographical in his writing. Yeah. So um, he lived with his mother and her parents, and he had two siblings. Um, and as a child, he was very weak with something called... I'm going to butcher this, and I'm so sorry. Uh, diphtheria? Diphtheria. Diphtheria? Dip, diphtheria. Diphtheria. I yes. think. Yeah, that's what I've heard it called. Yeah. It's a, it's a hard P, not a soft P. It is. Even though the spelling would say differently. Yeah, it would imply oh. otherwise. Um, diphtheria, which left him weak and bedridden for like a year, and his father, being the kindest man on the planet, he actually would beat him because he didn't think he was being tough enough for a boy at his age the beatings will continue until morale improves yes kind of thing yeah exactly um and the mother tried to like protect him but you know so she stayed like in the unhappy marriage because like what someone staying in an unhappy marriage (laughs) that probably has something to do with the play that we're going to talk about today yeah. Um, his father finally got a steady job in St. Louis, so they all moved there. But his hey, that's mother, just down the road. Yeah. Fun. Close by. Yeah. His mother like struggled to find like a safe place to live in St. Louis, so they kept moving like from <laughs> place to place. So they moved like numerous times, like in St. Louis. Moral of the story, St. Louis is terrible. It it is kind of spooky. I I was considering SLU when I was looking at colleges. And East then... St. Louis is like one of the most dangerous parts of any town. Probably. Yeah. Um, um, our Sawyer? cat is coming on bed. Sawyer. Are you in the shot? Say hi. No, no I don't think he's <laughs> Oh, he's right there. Oh, please don't. Don't mess it up. Okay. So. Oh, he... there's a tail. <laughs> <laughs> Adventures in video podcasting. We love it. Okay. Uh, he entered many writing contests in school, so he always had kind of a knack for it, nice. and he did it on like casually on the side. He won third place for an essay titled "The Good Wife." Oh, sorry, I'm so sorry. It was titled "Can a Good Wife Be a Good Sport?" Cool. Um, but it really didn't lead to anything. You know, he was like, it was just Except casually writing. writing. No, I'm just kidding. Well, he didn't know that at the time. Okay. So he attended University of Missouri in Columbia, and he was a journalism major. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what can I do with my writing but also be, you know, get paid for it? Practical. Practical, yes. Come on, Tennessee. Um, But legend says he was mostly into college because he was in love with some girl and didn't really focus on his studies at the time. Um, now, who is that? Who is that, uh, who, does that, who does that remind you of? Are you talking about me? I'm talking about me. Oh. <laughs> I was like, um, I did very well in school. I think my grades went down when I started dating you. Particularly in one class. That's like the nicest thing you've ever said. I remember I was date. we were dating. It was like maybe the first semester we were dating. I was taking this really hard history class. And I got like a D on a paper. And I was like, oh my gosh. 
like this is like the worst I'd ever done. And I was like, it was like my last, my senior year. And I was like, like Sarah. I was spending too much time with Sarah. I need to actually do my homework. It was admittedly a horrible paper. So. Um, Will, I'm so sorry. This That's is okay. a formal apology. It's okay. I went even went to the professor. I was like, what can I do? And he's like, you're a senior. I'm not going to, what? No. But I got my grade up at the end of the semester, so. I you got like stopped a, hanging out for I got a like an A on the final, kidding. so I was like, I was like, I have to get a good grade on this. Oh anyway. my gosh. Sorry. All right. Well, he, uh, Tennessee, couldn't give up his little writing career um, just yet. So to make a quick extra buck, he entered many writing competitions on campus, and he actually did pretty well. He was the first freshman to receive honorable mention in a writing competition. Um, but his dad forced him to leave school because he's like, you're not doing that great. And you need to earn money for the family, so work sure. in a shoe factory. Great. Um, he hated it, so he actually – this made him, like, focus on his writing religiously because that was kind of, like, his outlet. Oh. He was so unhappy at the shoe factory. And he had a nervous breakdown at age 24. Great. He quit the shoe factory. But Good. he did draw upon his experience there, um, like, in his writing. Can you guess what character is drawn from that? Stanley Kowalski? Yes, 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 William. And ding, even, ding, ding. And even, and even he met a guy named Stanley Kowalski in the factory. Really? Yeah. Yeah, so it's like a real person he knew. Now, how based, on, how based like, on the actual character it is, probably a little different, but there was definitely a guy named Stanley Kowalski. That's amazing. Yeah, that's Streetcar Named Desire, for all those who are unfamiliar. Which we will cover that someday. It is one of my favorite plays, William Scared. Stella! Um, great. So... That's kind of, um, after that, after he started finding, like, those characters and focusing on his writing, that's when his career really took off. Um, he kind of wrote, like, his big plays, like, pretty early on. So we have... Yeah, so he's got the three, like, yeah, the three big ones. The trifecta. Yeah? Name yeah. them. Okay, we got Streetcar. That came first, right? Yes, I think so. Right, streetcar Named Desire, Glass Menagerie. No, yeah. Mm. I, I don't know the order. Yeah, me either. Them. And then... Great, we should probably know that. Probably. Uh, class menagerie, and then, of course, <laughs> cat on a hot tin roof. Yes. And actually, cat... <laughs> sorry, I almost slipped off the camera. Um, Cat on a hot tin roof um, was his favorite play that he ever wrote. You know, we missed an opportunity when Sawyer came up on the bed to talk about cats and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Dang it. Oh, well. Um, that was planned. <laughs> We've been working on that all day, Sawyer. <laughs> cat on a hot tin roof? More like cat on a shaky bed. Sure. Um, But... Then after he wrote, like, his trifecta, which uh, both Glass Menagerie and um, Streetcar yeah. won Pulitzer Prize for drama. And I think... I think, yeah, Cat, Cat, did, Cat yeah, did, too. Cat and the Hot Tin Roof um, did as well. But after that, he was kind of, like, height of his career. But then he kind of turned, you know, to drinking really? and uh drugs and he was exploring like his sexuality a lot um but you know back then it was obviously like yeah. that was a negative connotation kind of tied to it and so he was struggling with that in his personal life and then also his sister um which some of his characters are based off of especially in glass menagerie yeah um, very autobot i mean he's tom in glass yeah menagerie, yeah, yeah. But she actually had to go into um, a mental institution because she had schizophrenia and um, yeah. and I think something else. But so he actually had to take care of her and she got like the best kind of care. 
because um, she had her good old Tennessee Williams looking out for her. But um, he made that, a little bit of money from his plays. Yes, just, just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Um, but he was very close with her, and that was like really hard on him because she just kind of, as you know, as she grew older, it got worse, and yeah, yeah so that was really hard. Um, so he actually, like, the his later plays, he tried like a new, different writing style that didn't feel like very him because he got kind of lost in himself. And that, like, showed up in his work. And so critics were really like, oh, this is bad. You're doing a bad job, Tennessee. You're not pulling through. Yeah, after this, because he, he has, what, Rose Tattoo mm-hmm. and then Night of the Iguana and then, like, one other one. And that's about it. Talk to me like a rain. Let me listen. Well, no, yeah, he has, like, act, quite yeah. a few. Really? Yeah, he does have, quite, like, a lot. But they all, like, didn't do well. Um, Which I just thought was Wait. interesting. Because um, you always think Tennessee Williams, you know. Everything must be a hit. But he, like, hit hit early on and then fizzled out. A little bit. And he died, you know, pretty young. 1983, he yeah. died. What did yeah. he die of, Will? Oh, I looked this up. Well, wait. Do you, oh, you don't want to talk about Elliot Kazan first? Oh. You had that of written. Of course there. I do. Yeah. Um, so, Elliot Kazan. Elia Kazan. Um, I... Love him. If you have listened to Playbirds before, I talk about my crush is this director. Um, and he actually directed quite a few of Tennessee Williams' like big ones. I think he directed like all of the trifectas at one point. So total dreamboat of a director. Um, but he did the original production in 1955. And um, then there was a revival of Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Sorry, he directed Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Um, but and in, Streetcar. And, the and movie Streetcar. Streetcar. And Streetcar. Yeah, so, so but yeah. we're going to focus on Cat. Yeah, sorry. sorry. Um, the revival of it in 1974, in this production, uh, Williams restored much of the text he had to remove um, back in the 1950s when it wasn't, like, as acceptable. Um, but he was urged by Elia Kazan to be like, hey, dude, you should put this back in. It's, like, mm-hmm. it's so important to the plot. Like, it doesn't – like, the play barely – it makes sense, obviously, but, like, it has so much more depth with all of the text that you, like, pulled right. out. And so with, like, the encouragement from him um, and the actors who are working on um, the revival, they all kind of got to work together. And that's where the newer text um, that came with the revival came from. So it was a very kind of collaborative effort, which mm. I do love that, like, Tennessee trusted those actors enough to be like, oh, you feel like that character should say that there? Great, let's put it in. Yeah. You know? Um, which I just think, like, wow, that rehearsal process must have been, like... A dream come true. A dream. Hashtag dream, mm-hmm. Um, So his death... Oh, yes, yeah, sorry. So... We digress. He yeah. died. So he died. In 1983. He, 1983. He choked... Well, allegedly. Here's There's a little bit of drama and mystery surrounding this. His, his uh, agent, I guess, said that he died choking on a bottle cap. Mm-hmm. Okay, like a like like an eyedropper like bottle cap was like stuck in his throat. Oh. Yeah, yeah. He was seventy one. He was seventy one. So I mean, you know, getting up there, but probably had a few years left. Anyway, um, but what probably really happened is he died from an overdose, like an accidental overdose of this sleep inducing drug that he had been taking for years. He uh, mm. like had built up a tolerance to it, most likely, and and was just like taking more and more of it, and that killed him um 
is super sad. Um, and then he wanted to be buried at sea because his like one of his favorite authors or poet yeah it's a favorite poet yeah yeah had like literally committed suicide in the ocean by jumping off a cruise ship in i didn't realize yeah. it was because of suicide i thought he no. was like scattered at sea no, no 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 this is in his will it said it said not even scattered at like yeah. not even his ashes scattered he wanted to be like put in like a canvas bag and then thrown off a boat in the middle of like the Caribbean Sea. I don't love that. Actually. Yeah, it's, it's actually crazy. But his brother didn't allow that to happen, yeah. and he got he's buried in St. Louis. Yeah, buried next to his mother. There you go. Um, who he had a complicated relationship with. Sure. So, mm. is it the way he wanted to you go? You want to know? You want to know more about Tennessee Williams' mother? Just read Glass Menagerie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Tennessee. One of my favorite quotes that he um that I found. Of just, like, how he viewed theater. Because it was very much, like, an outlet that he could find, like, joy in his life. Mm. Which um, I certainly can relate to. But he says, the laughter enchanted me. Then and there, the theater and I found each other for better or for worse. I know it's the only thing that saved my life. So, I just love that. Where, you know, he did it to, like, impact the audience. And he felt that connection. Mm. And, like... Sure. And that's what gave him purpose. And I think that's just stunning. That's beautiful. Anyways. Should so we get into... That's Tennessee that's Williams Tennessee, for you. Yeah. That was a very kind of short overview. Um, But like we said, like, you really... When you short. read his works, you you feel him. Yeah. He's very present. And every everyone who's ever, like, worked on his plays, like, especially back in the day, they're like, yeah, you do Tennessee, one of his plays, you do his life. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Right what you he's know. All, he's all over it. Yeah. All right. So let's get into a little bit about what this play is about and the time period it's set. It's set in 1955-ish, 1950s um, in the South. It uh, centers a lot around alcoholism and kind of the um, breakdown of the husband and wife relationship, especially, uh, and father and son. But And sexuality. Well, yeah. Sure, 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 sure. But it centers over, yeah, it centers around all that kind of stuff, okay. for sure. So, um, the 1950s are, like, known for, like, this, like, I don't know, kind of classic time period in American history, right? So, it's, like, it's like after World War II, no, nobody has any problems anymore. The sitcoms are all, like, leave it to Beaver and, you know, Father Knows Best and all that kind of stuff. And that was, like, a real thing of, like, the, the media is painting the American family as, like, this perfect this perfect thing mm -hmm. whereas uh it, behind closed doors things are really not uh that good a lot of alcoholism um and a lot of just like i don't know brokenness i guess and tennessee williams certainly grew up with that and wanted to bring it out in this play um i thought it was interesting how like uh i don't know if this hasn't these two plays have anything to do with each other but like but like comeback little shiva was produced in 19 first produced in 1950 mm. This was produced just five years later. I don't know if that has if that's relevant, but I thought that was interesting. Come back, sure. little Sh uh, little Sheba is about alcoholism and a family. Yeah, yeah, and that's much more like pronounced family. for sure. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, good plot. Plot. Okay, characters, right? So you got Maggie and Brick. Those are husband and wife, right? I always think his name's Brink for some reason. Nah, he is on the brink of collapse. Um. They have, uh, they have no children. They um, don't have sex. 
They don't have sex. It's she a, wants a, it. He doesn't. She's dr- like for the entire first act. She's like trying to seduce him. Yeah. Um. They are. It is also. They are staying in his parents' house. Mm-hmm. His parents are big, big daddy and big mama. And very southern names. Very southern names, right? Yeah. You never actually get their real names, do you? They no. just call it. That's that's all they call each other, right? Yeah. And yeah. like big daddy and big mama refer to each other as big daddy and yeah. big mama, which yeah, I was like super weird. Woof. Um, anyway, so it's Big Daddy's birthday, 65th birthday. Um, Big Daddy and Big Mama actually hate each other. No, sorry. Big Daddy hates Big Mama. Mm-hmm. Has, like, this really, like, profound, like, hate for her and is pretty vocal about it. Uh, you don't think so? I mean, I think it just stems from, like, uh, he feels like his life is behind him. He holds, like, a resentment, like – he kind of – I feel like he blames her for, like, lost years. Like, I don't he know could. if it's, like – He even says, like – he even says, like, I, ne- I never liked her. I never – Yeah. Like, I never even, like I – cu- I couldn't bear to look at her. But then he you offers know? his arm. So you get mixed signals where I don't sure. think it's, like – I don't think he purely hates his wife. I think right. it's a but little she, more nuanced. But it is – it is very clear that she's very devoted to him. Mm-hmm. And he could, like, kind of could take her or leave her at best. At this point, yeah. At this point, okay? And he then, just beat cancer. Yeah. 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 Or so they think. Yes. So, yeah, he gets a doctor's report back, and, like, yeah, the doctor's like, oh, my gosh, she's cancer-free. And then you've got the other couple who is Gooper, mm-hmm. which I thought it was Cooper for the longest time. but it's Goop. It's Gooper. And, and then May. May. And Gooper is Brick's older brother. Yes. Um, Brick is, like, the favorite son. Gooper's kind of, like, the, the nerd. Nerd, like... Yeah. Kind of nervous. Kind of like yeah. his wife has like a big mouth on her, so she'll yeah. like do all the talking for him. Yeah. Can May, you relate? Or? No. Um, <laughs> and then May is like to Maggie, right, is like the opposite of Maggie. May is yeah. like this like symbol of like fertility basically because oh she gosh. has – she's like she's like incredibly pregnant through the entire play. She has three, three kids already. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot to do with like broken marriages and mm-hmm. – uh, yeah, all that kind of stuff. So, those are the characters. And then the plot is – it's all taking place in one room. And Brick has uh, broken his ankle or something the night before. So, he's on crutches the entire time. Yeah. And it's Big Daddy's birthday. And they, it's it's this – it's a bunch of just, like, super long, drawn-out conversations. It's really only, like, three scenes. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't – it's not even really broken up into, like, smaller scenes. Like, three big yeah. acts. Act one is almost – all between Brick and Maggie. Maggie. Maggie's trying to seduce him. Mm-hmm. Act two is uh, the birthday party, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, they bring, like, the whole birthday party up to uh, to Brick's room. And the conversation between Brick and his dad. Yes. And then at, at the end, yeah, yeah, they, they, they talk and, like, they have this big, long conversation. And then act three um, – it's just I, everyone coming to terms with all everything that just happened. Yeah. So act one, I just want to give like the big points. So the inciting incident um, is that Brick had a friend, a very close friend named Skipper. They played football together and um, everyone kind of thought their relationship was like a little too close. It was a little off. Um, even Maggie suspected it. So she tried to seduce Skipper um, to like, and then when it didn't really work out, she was like, see, Skipper, you're gay and you're in love with my husband. And so and then Skipper started to kind of believe like he was gay and in love with her husband, even though like 
that might have been the case, that might have not, but it got him kind of thinking. And so then he calls um, Brick and he's like, confesses his feelings for him, and Brick just hangs up the phone. And then um, Skipper actually kills himself. Mm-hmm. So that all takes place before the play. Right. So Brick is like, is really mad at Maggie and kind of hates her because um, that was like his closest friend in the world. And he blames her and also blames himself for what happened. So he drinks so he can hear that like click in his head when everything goes peaceful because he can't live with himself until that moment happens. So yeah, he is an unabashed alcoholic. Yeah, just constantly drinking. Barely says, I think he might have like 10 lines in the first act because Maggie's just going off and he's just drinking. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, So Maggie is trying to seduce him. She's trying to say everything that's going wrong with like the family and how like uh, they don't see her like they should. And, you know, so it's very much about like their relationship in act one. And then you move into act two and then you get to meet everyone and you see just how much like Big Daddy, everyone wants Big Daddy's approval because he has the huge estate. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're very rich. It's like yes. a plantation. Yeah. So everyone's kind of fighting over it because when they were like, oh, no, he might have cancer. He might die soon. Who's going to get his estate? Going to jump on that. Um, And he actually, what Big Daddy doesn't know and Big Mama doesn't know, because it's kind of one of the other big secrets of the play, is that his cancer actually is still there and it's really bad and he's probably going to die soon um i don't know why they that 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 was never clear yeah it confused me because like the doctors like lie Mm -hmm. to to big mom and big daddy but they tell the kids yeah they tell the kids because like maggie tells him in act one and i thought she was just like messing with him so did i because i don't know (laughs) i was like that's a terrible thing to mess with someone about but it is i kind of thought that um but it turns out it's true um so they're trying to hide that he has cancer. They were trying to work out how to tell it. And then Big Daddy kicks everyone out because he's, like, annoyed with everyone. And then he calls Brick in. And they have a father-son chat where, you know, Big Daddy kind of makes him come to terms with his sexuality a little bit. And so well, much so that well, Brick gets pissed and tells and like him confesses. that he has cancer. And, confess- and confesses that, like, yeah, I'm gay. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, so that conversation is it it's really interesting because i don't know i'm gonna plow through this plot real quick before we get into it oh, but sure. and then act three is them telling um big mama and the rest of the people still think that big daddy like doesn't know that he has cancer um so brick is like beside himself out on the back deck and everyone's just like trying to console Big Mama because they just told her. And it's just the estate. They want it to go to Maggie and Brick. So Maggie's like, I'm pregnant. She's not. Um, she's not pregnant, in fact. You don't and think so? <laughs> no. I don't think it's ever in question. <laughs> no, yeah, she is definitely not. And, and even and May like freaks out because she knows sure. she's not. But the parents are like, oh, thank God, because we love Brick the most. So he gets the estate. Right. And then Maggie and Brick hook up at the end. Or maybe. do they? Um, and that's the play. That's the play. So let's jump into, like, some themes. Um, a big one is that they use this word 
Mendacity. Mendacity. Menopause. No, mendacity. Yeah, you should speak on menopause, though. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't going to speak on it. I was just saying it. Uh, mendacity. Men- mendacity. Oh, my gosh. Why can't I say it? Uh, will you tell us what that means? It's like living in a bed of lies uh, and, like, being, like, surrounded by lies and liars. And Brick feels like he is surrounded by that. But it's – it's well, no. He is confessing that, like, he's the liar, I felt. Like, he was trying mm-hmm. to get Big Daddy to, like, understand, like – he was trying to say like, uh, like Big Daddy, like you're just, you know, what, Big Daddy's like pressing him. I'm like, what's bothering you? Like, what's going on with you, kid? Mm-hmm. You know? And he says like, oh, it's this mendacity that I have to. And Big Daddy takes it the wrong way. It's like, oh, you're surrounded by lies and liars. And really, it's Brick trying to say like, no, well, I'm, I'm the, the one. I'm the one yeah. who's living a lie. And who? And I've just like been trying to like force it down like for the first my entire life, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. And then, um, no, I think that, but it is kind of, like, reversed for Big Daddy, which is interesting. So, like, Brick There's that feels like that, he's the liar. Right. Um, And then Big Daddy's actually surrounded by all the liars. By, yeah, because everybody knows the truth except for him and Big Mama. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so uh, I thought, I mean, Tennessee just did, like, a – you know, kind of covered all the bases, how you, like, lie to yourself and how you lie to others. Right. It's um, just a, a big web of disgusting yes. lies. Um, Great. No, and then another uh, – I guess I just wanted to talk about, like, uh, repression and, like, how important, like, Brick's character is in, like, literature and, uh, like, for the 1950s, like – for that time and like moving sure. forward um so you know because he's supposed to be kind of like this picturesque like hot boy jock you know everyone wanted to marry him he's the most eligible bachelor he's right. like he's like a sports star too yeah. like he was like a, a college football player at Ole Miss got hurt or something mm-hmm. in, in his college years couldn't play anymore has become like this kind of like big time sports announcer yeah and so he you know he's kind of like the picture of desire if you will um and so for him to like have those like um homosexual like feelings it was just like so um so uncommon if you will that people thought when really it was a lot more common uh than people actually like realized like because people were repressing it yeah they're repressing it there's so much judgment on it and so it's you know, Tennessee was, like, one of the first people to kind of write about, like, this picturesque type of guy, and he's, He like, wrote about it, like, very openly, too, Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and, yeah. like, Brick... More than I thought it would be in this play. Me, I too. I thought it was going to no be much, much more, it. like, beneath everything. Yeah. You know? But it was, like... It's, like, pretty brought out. Right. Now, we watched a, pr- a production of the, of the later version, like, the 1974 mm-hmm. version... So it's got like some like f bombs in it and all that kind of stuff, which I was like, whoa. And then cause I was like, I was like, traumatized. I, well, no, I get. Yeah, it. I was just wasn't I mean, yeah. expecting that. There were like three or four, and I was like, shoot. Yeah, and they came so casually. We were like, well, yeah. Um, but and he and like Brick is like ashamed that he's like a queer, like 
Oh my gosh. He yeah. doesn't want to be otherwise other and he's ashamed that he drove his friend to suicide yeah. basically. By basically like denying those feelings that like he couldn't even admit to himself and because he couldn't even at least do that, he couldn't possibly do it to his friend and so then his friend died. Um so it's like so tragic and sad. So like Tennessee is writing this like tragic hero almost that like yeah, he is yeah. completely because he's he's supposed to be at the top of his game, but yeah. you know throughout the course of the play, he's already been broken because he's broke his ankle the night before, mm-hmm. broke his ankle running high school like he was at his high school like track and field fields or whatever the track and he was trying to jump hurdles. Yeah, right. And he breaks his ankle, so he's he's literally broken, and then like physic like emotionally by the end of the show, broken and so yeah. I I don't know. That was just um I I would really love to like work on this play and really study the relationship between like Brick and his dad. Um Yeah. Just it's like not in like, the rehearsal room. I just oh think gosh, that'd be yeah. so like interesting to like pull out. Um Unfortunately, I don't feel like it's done very often anymore. I know. It's got such a big cast for like a pr- professional like o- other than Broadway. You're not going to find it. Like, if they do, like, a Broadway revival of it. It's not which that they, big. I mean, maybe, like, because there's a few more characters we haven't covered. But yeah, there's, like, a preacher and there's, like, a whatever, a like a doctor and, like, some servants and the kids. Yeah. It's it's not – obviously, it's not impossible to put on. But it's just not as common. Right. As, right. obviously, like, Glass Menagerie, you can do it – what is it? Four people? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's a lot of, like – this play deals with a lot of like uh, the characters are unsure, they're repressed, but they're outspoken. Right. Um, so it's just kind of a lot going on. One of my favorite lines that they use like multiple times. This is actually the last line of the show, um, and it kind of goes back to like truth and lies. Um, was that when Maggie says to Brick at the end, like "I do love you," and then Brick goes. Wouldn't that be funny if it were true? Yeah. That's And that's the last line of the show. And Big Daddy says like, the same thing to Big Mama when she confesses her love. Oh. So it's like these people don't think they can accept love or because they're imperfect themselves. They or... think it's the love's a lie because the person doesn't actually know them. Oh, sure. Could be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just I just found that to be really interesting. Yeah, there's so much in this play. Do you want to? We haven't even like touched on like Maggie at all, who is the self-proclaimed <laughs> cat on a hot tin roof. I think it's funny that he named the play "Cat in the Hot Tin Room" because I don't even see it's, this as Maggie's story. It, I know. And in Act One, you feel like it's gonna be because right. she is she dominates Act One. Mm-hmm. She is trying to seduce Brick. She is. Um, um, trying to just get like, a rise out of him. I don't even know if it's just like purely seduced. Just like get something to like show that he cares. Show right. that you know. Right. I don't know. Um, and so and then and then for the rest of the play, she's like hardly in it. Yeah. You know, I mean, like act like the obviously like the back half act two, she's not. But right. I I was very shocked by that. I thought she was going to be much more of a Blanche Dubois kind of figure. What's our uh, favorite line, Will? Uh. Maggie, why are you so catty? Well, because I'm not. Uh, maybe I'm Maggie the cat. I'm a cat on a hot tin roof. No, why she just she... says, "I'm a cat." Yeah, whatever. 
No, I just laughed at it. I know. But it's like it's like you uh it, I wasn't expecting them to say cat on a hot tin roof at all in the show and they said it like three times. Oh my god. More I think more than that. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. I hate Cuz like Cuz like I know. I know. I don't know if he like set out he was like, "Ooh, I'm going to call this cat on a hot tin roof." Or like that like just kind of came about like, "Ooh, I'll like I've I've written this like, into the play. Maybe I'll just call it cat on a hot tin roof." But I feel like he didn't have to put it in there at all. It's pretty mm-hmm. obvious why he wants to call it that, right? A cat on a hot tin roof, it's it can't get a footing. It uh it's jumping all around. Yeah. It's nervous. It's uh very like it feels threatened by its surroundings, you mm-hmm. know, all that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, like that's a great name for a play. Right. You need to put it in there. Not that I'm questioning the great ten- Tennessee Williams. I well, I think I am just cuz like I, I feel I see this very much as like Brick's story. Um It yeah, it for sure is. And so it it is weird where it insinuates like it's about Maggie when it's really not and I don't know. In right. my humble opinion. I just I don't get the title. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of Brick's name? Um A real i I think in the stage directions he's it says a real brick of a man. Yeah. yeah. I mean it's just like sounds like hardcore I mean, he's supposed to be like the picture of manliness, you know. Brick. Brick. Um, in one of Rick Reynolds. In one of Tennessee Williams' footnotes in the play, um, in his many drafts, he said, "This is a play which says only one affirmative thing about man's fate: that he has it still in his power not to squeal like a pig, but to keep a tight mouth about it." So you know, like all these people feel like. Mm. Uh, they're losing power. They want to win the estate or they want to like have control. So there is control and secrets. Yeah. There's control and secrets of like, Mm. um, and holding that power like over each other. That's what you can control in the room. Interesting. Yeah. So I was like, huh, I never thought about that. Tennessee Williams, his little, his notes and his stage directions are incredible in this play. (laughs) Uh, there's a big, he has, he has like a big long stage direction, uh, in the second act when, brick is about to like really let loose on big daddy and it's just like this whole paragraph of just uh of just like this is this is like beads of sweat have been pouring down brick's like <laughs> face and it's like and and this is this is the pinnacle moment of the play and stuff like that and you just like it's it's crazy because you just like don't really see that anymore in modern yeah. writing every all the state all those stage notes are like stage directions are like the most minimal that you can have and it's and it's it's actually yeah they're so it's so beautiful actually the way tennessee like kind of just lays it all out for you um right and it doesn't feel restricting so i feel like that's why playwrights no, like nowadays where it's like well we want to give the actors like the creative choices to like go where they feel like the character should go you know sure um which i could see why there's not as many stage directions but like tennessee there's like uh by kind of giving that insight, you know, there's so much more to explore, like, as the actor, like, go in that direction. Um, yeah. Because he writes it in a way that's not as, like, now <laughs> you cry. And, like, right, you know. Right, right. Yeah. So. No, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of symbols in this play as well. You want to get into I would love to get into some symbols. symbols. So this is another box set, which we talked about last week, um, where – 
the whole play takes place in one room on you know in one area you don't have to change sets or anything it's yep. nice um this but is, it, this is brick and maggie's room that they're bedroom yeah bedroom yes. um and it's important that there's it's in the bedroom and even M- big mama refers to it because classic tennessee williams he loves a good symbol he will point it out he where will. she refers to the bed and she was like these are where the rocks of marriage lie and it's in um the bed uh in intercourse in children in the, in... <laughs> and the bed is owned by it was like it was is like an heirloom or like it's like it was in the old house or whatever like so the plantation the, yeah so some of the landowners uh from previous like uh before they owned it obviously it was actually uh these two males it was their bed so they were gay with each other <laughs> It doesn't... Um, they were partners? They were partners, yeah. It's a similar thing where, like, yes, we can assume that as much, but they said their relationship huh. wasn't as natural or seemed oh, off okay, to okay, everyone. Okay, okay. Um, I'll say. So, yeah. So, I just thought that was kind of interesting of Tennessee to throw in there. Um, I know. He loves doing that stuff. That the original owners of the plantation were named Jack Straw and Peter Ocello. You think, like, Othello? Yeah, maybe. No, not really. No, I don't know. Um... As William writes, the ghost of the men's love haunts the stage. Dun, dun, dun. A classic Tennessee symbol. That is, oh, my gosh, for sure. Um, And then another symbol we have is, like, the radio phonograph, um, like, television liquor cabinet that, like, towers over the room. Um, So we, we saw, when we saw the production, it was, like... It- the middle of the stage was the bar. It was. It wasn't as towering in that production. Yeah, as, as it probably, as it should, probably have should have been. And I didn't even get that actually the radio is a part of it. Yeah. And that he's like t- constantly turning the radio on and off. I don't think he was in that production, was he? I saw, there was a radio. There was. Yeah, and yeah. He, yeah. It, was, it was like they would play music in the background. Yeah. Okay. Or I know it, it was more like a like like a, like a static. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, but he notes that it serves as a shrine to the comforts and illusions behind which we hide things uh, that the characters are facing. Hmm. So, Great. alcohol. Do you ever hide things uh, when you're drinking? Or <laughs> no? What huh? What a question. I don't know. I. <laughs> <laughs> you don't answer that. Thanks. Um, finally, we should note Brick's phallic crutch. Phallic. Yes. It's removal. Why? Why? Okay. It's removal at the hands of Maggie and Brick. Oh, and, and Big Daddy. Sorry. When yeah, they, they take it from him. Brick, it symbolizes his castration. A castration. Um, interesting. I don't. Interesting. With the revelation of his unmanly homosexual desires. But he also, like, uses it as a weapon. Yeah, but when they take it from him and he's like at his lowest and we see him as this like small yeah. man, yeah. that's those are at points where those people are challenging like his manliness. Um, you know, and his sexuality. And he's using and he's trying to use his manliness to, to hurt gain them. an advantage. Yeah. And then when in those times where he's like trying to hurt them, that's when he's like the weakest because it's not rooted. Gotcha. You know? Great. Um yeah, the continuous restoration and removal is a sort of game. Now he has it, now he doesn't, you know, of his sexuality. Now he's taking ownership of it, now he doesn't oh, have it. Great. Um, so, yeah, so those uh, are kind of my symbols I kind of uh, thought about. Did you think of any? 
those are those are the simplest. <laughs> I, you took them all. <laughs> I was gonna, yeah. No, good. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You spark notes, master. That's me. Well, also Tennessee makes it very clear yeah, in I mean, the play. Sure, sure. Where, yeah, it's it's kind of easy to find a t- Tennessee symbol. Oh yeah. Sometimes it's a storm. Sometimes, <laughs> it's a streetcar named Desire. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. No. Um. No, I don't have. I no. That's... Now, Will, did you like this play? Okay. Here, that's a super good question. Um, I did. I did not like it as much as I thought I would. I thought it was gonna be like I said, like much more like, uh, nuanced. I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is very nuanced. But you know, I thought it was gonna. I thought there was gonna be a lot more layers to like peel back in terms of brick, and Maggie. Mm-hmm. Um. Now that's unfair because I was bringing my preconceived notions into it. Um, but yeah, like, would I want to be in this play? Actually, that's a great question. Well, do you would like I want to be brick? Play? I don't think I don't think I would want to be brick. You'd be more of a gooper. Well, sure, I wouldn't want to be <laughs> gooper either. I'd be like, ah, eh, like I'll pass actually. Um, um, I don't think I don't think being brick would be like very fun or like fulfilling for me. It would be just like really sad and i don't i'm not like that kind of actor i don't think more of like a i'll be the cat in the yeah, hat I think someone gay should play brick yeah yeah that would make sense yeah do you feel like that's a a, a a must i i do believe so because i think there's much more for someone uh to draw upon if they're like yeah, how do you feel or about, gay how do you feel about yeah how do you feel about like that in general like I think I feel because there's so many gay men in theater by people or yeah that's true you know like give them those roles that's who they're written for so yeah I would give the opportunity like more to them Gordon than to the like prom? don't get me started <laughs> um <laughs> than straight men um because it, it's just not their story yeah and they can't really relate to it yeah not as know? not as well as you mentioned yeah yeah but then that gets into the whole like well. I've never been a drug addict. Does that mean I can't be a drug addict on stage? Well, those aren't as easy to come by, or are they? No. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's like, you know, if it's sexuality there. is a part of you. Sure. I guess, like, addiction is a part of you, so that gets a little more complicated. But is it like you more draw intrinsically upon... a part of you, you, maybe? Yeah. I mean, like, it is for sure i yeah. think you draw and and like you're supposed to as an actor you're supposed to like draw on your sense memory you're on supposed your to experience on your like, experience and yeah. even if it doesn't line up exactly right you know like it's like it's like you're playing a, a character who has i don't know like just been fired from their job because they stole ten thousand dollars from the company you know it's like well i've never done that but i've done things that i'm ashamed of right sure and Acting. and i've been caught doing weird things or bad things that i shouldn't have been doing yeah so i can draw upon (laughs) (laughs) that's what i was thinking of actually so your face is getting so red so red (laughs) anyway um no yeah so anyway i don't know so sarah um where is maggie on your list of like dream roles is she even on it yeah she is yeah i mean maggie would be so fun she has you know she's constantly like on her feet trying to come up with like new tactics and you see that in her conversation that is what we did not see in that production that we watched yeah 
yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like the acting, bad. like, like it was, it was passable, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it's a fine. step up from like a community theater. I like to close my eyes and just listen to it because I like Tennessee Williams like language, mm-hmm. but I was like, I don't like watching these people, so yeah. I kind of tended to do that by the end. Yeah. But um, no. So I, yeah, I would love to play Maggie. Is she like top five? Of oh dream gosh. Roles? Oh gosh. Top ten. Top ten. Interesting. I'm not old enough yet, so. You, she's not that old though, right? I think it's like early she's like 30s, early thirties. Because maybe, maybe I thought, late I think 20s. Brick, yeah, I think Brick is late twenties. I still got a couple of years. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <sighs> That's uh, what was hard about casting Big Daddy because I thought he should be older than he really is. He really is. Yeah. yeah he's only sixty-five. Um. Anyway. I wanted to make one more thing about the language. One more note I forgot to say. Yeah. Um. So, you know when Big Daddy's, like, talking about uh, the wilderness and when he went to South Africa. Oh, my gosh. And, like, yeah. all this stuff. And his, and like, like, his, like, crazy, like, affairs he adventures, had. Um, and, like, it's, like, this it's like this primal yeah. kind of thing he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I was, like, you know, when you're listening to it, you're, like, oh, my gosh, why are we talking about this? What That's is what happening? That's what I thought. But I think uh, as I was, like, reading more into it and doing more research, I think it draws upon, like, uh, you know, the like you said, like, this primal, mm. like. Uh, primal urges. Urges of the male. Right. Uh, right? Like, kind of, of like, the straight man energy. Right. Of, like, like, brick. Like, this is what you should be doing. Right. Right. You know, instead of, like, not even, you're not even betting your own wife. Yeah. Because then one of Brick's friends, they talk about how. You know, he's in, like, uh, North Africa now or something, and they learn, like, he's a sodomite. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, So it's, like, yeah, you go off and you go away to, like, do those, uh, you know, acts. Sow those wild oats. Yes. I hate that phrase. Oh, my gosh, so bad. But, yeah, so that's another thing where I guess I wanted to finish off by saying this is play. Sometimes Tennessee Williams can bother me because he does, like, pontificate so much. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, please just get to the point. Say what you feel. I'm so tired of these yeah. circles. We've been talking about the same thing for, kind of, like, some kind of long conversations over for sure. and over. But there's so much, like, imagery there um, right. that's, like, really cool to listen to, to read, to uh, study as, like, so an, an much, actor. There's so much. I feel like this almost reads – almost more like a novel mm-hmm. of like how much there is to like unpack. dig into and unpack yeah. yeah so i feel like we gave you a light um sawyer's being really cute behind the camera sorry uh we gave you a light kind of intro into everything that is yeah cat on a hot tin roof right um but are you ready to cast the freaking play yeah let's have an ad first and then we'll cast the freaking play yeah all right. Are you ready to cast the freaking play? Let's cast the freaking play. All right. Who should we start with? May and Gooper? Yeah. All right. Great. Okay. Who you got? So I have, let's do May first. Sure. I have Rachel Brosnahan. No. Yes. That's a good one. That's a good one. Thank I you. considered her for like, I was like, hmm, she would be good at something, but I didn't. I put Katherine Hahn. From WandaVision, from... Yeah, oh yeah, my yeah. gosh. She's like the best friend in WandaVision or whatever. You know I love her. Who does she play? I don't know. Uh, I, I Agnes. Remember. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And plus she's in a million other stuff. Yeah. But, okay, let's decide... Let's say Gooper and we'll decide the couple. Okay, great. Okay. So I have Nicholas Braun. 
for who is? Gooper. He's the character you hate on Succession. The cousin. Uh, cousin Greg. Yeah. Get out. Cousin Greg is Gooper. Nice. I have another Succession character. We've been watching Succession. We we just watched season one. Um, uh, I have I have Kieran Culkin, who is Macaulay Culkin's oh brother. Oh my gosh. Um, ah, gosh, that would be really funny to put Greg, cousin Greg, and Rachel Brosnahan together because they're both yeah. like Greg is giant. He's like six four. Yeah. He? Rachel Brosnahan is like so short, super short. She's marvelous, Mrs. Maisel. Yes. Um. Plus, I feel like Catherine Hahn's kind of old. She's a little bit older. Yeah. I feel like it wouldn't be that noticeable. Yeah. Um. Um. Yeah, I like yours. Nice. I think I like mine too. Here, Culkin has too much like bratty energy. I know. And, like I can't, Gooper's yeah. like the older brother. He's supposed to be a nerd. I don't know. Yeah. I I'm obsessed with him though. For sure. Don't get me wrong. I will cast him in any other. <laughs> I movie. yeah. I was like, I'm gonna find a role for this guy someday. Yeah. Um. Big great. Mama. Big Mama. I've got Kathy Bates, who is uh, Titanic. She is. Uh, she's the she's the old gal in Titanic. Um, she plays uh, Miss Hannigan and Annie. Um, oh, yeah. And the old one, the the, the the middle one, you know, with the, you know, not the original Jesus. movie. Yeah, as, with Jesus yeah. as as Daddy Warbucks <laughs> as Daddy. Um, as Daddy. Uh, so I chose Helena Bonham Carter. She's a little younger. Uh, Age I don't her like up that. a little bit. I don't like that. I don't like that. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Interesting, though. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, who did you choose for the dad? I think the only choice, John Goodman. Sully. He's so old. He's 68. Really? Yeah. He seems older, but... I know. I, I really wanted to go with Brian Cox. No. Oh, I my know, he's gosh. Too old. We're going to give him a role he's someday. He's but... too old. Brian Cox is too old, but he would kill it. Um, I chose Michael Keaton. What? No. He's like in his sixties. Interesting. He's too small. He's not physically imposing enough. But he's a sports dad. Yeah, for sure. He would be good. And I he'd think, be rich. I think John Goodman is would be better. I think John. I mean, like he he's got the he's like super tall, really big, broad dude. I, okay. I you, feel you really strong about John Goodman. You can have big daddy and big mama. I want you to say that John Goodman's better. Michael <laughs> <Keaton>. <laughs> just kidding <laughs> uh fine in this case john goodman is better than michael keaton in this instance solid okay um so we're we gonna go with kathy bates too i don't really care about kathy bates we can you can have you, hell, hell about you Carter. gave me a judgy look i do but as, as i'm as i'm thinking more about it i'm like i could i could see helena bottom carter yeah yeah because she's like can be kind of annoying but also like has yeah. a good heart yeah for sure you know you always like her. She's not. You don't hate Big Mama. She she is supposed to be like a little like on the heavy side. Okay. Let's choose Kathy Bates. All right. Great. All right. Two two. Great. Finals. Here we go. Who should we do, Michael or Maggie? <laughs> what? You finished with the cat on the hot tin roof. Finished with Maggie or finished with Brick? I say finished with Maggie. Okay. She's the one I had the most trouble with. Sure. So. <laughs> okay, Brick. I did Zach Efron. No, oh my gosh. <laughs> jock? It's not the worst choice in the world. Honestly. Jock, hot jock. Hot jock. Give me a break. You would believe it in a world that he's like too... he's gay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's, he's... a good actor. Mm, 
Did you watch him in Ted Bundy? Yeah. Let's do it again. All I could think was like, look at that. It's Zac Efron doing a thing. You're being hurtful, though. Zach. I know. I know. My, my, my brick is not that good. Who? So you're going to probably win. It's Michael Zegan who plays uh, who plays Joel in Marvel's Mrs. Maisel, actually. Okay, we're going with my choice. In what world would he play sports? I mean, he's a really small guy. Yeah. I thought that would be interesting. Like a running back or something. I thought I thought that would be interesting mm. with John Good, like the giant John Goodman and then mm. Michael. But he's the favorite. Right. But Big Daddy makes him feel small. That's where I was going with. I'm not saying it's a perfect choice. I actually We're kind of like Zac Efron better. I, you know, I don't. I'm not in love with Zac Efron's acting ability. I want to push him. Sure. You would. You you it. really would. You really. And would. I so know this kind of go against what I said as before. As long as you're directing. I'm sorry I didn't cast a gay male. Like, yeah. Wait bad. a second. What happened to that? I kind of came to terms with it as we were talking. No, before I cast. I mean, after I cast. If Zac Efron came out as gay, I'd be like, yeah. Yeah. So, if you guys have any other suggestions. Always. Please tell us. Tweet at us. Just kidding. We're not playing. I just said Zac Efron because he looks sporty. Oh, and yeah. sporty he's hot. So. Very sporty. I don't know. Okay. Um, Maggie. Maggie. I have Carrie Mulligan. Interesting. Yeah. I think she might be a little old. She is a little old. She's... She's thirty five. Yeah, but you could. I mean, whatever. It's whatever. Stage. You could. You could trim it down. Trim. Uh, you put her. I didn't. I that didn't wasn't mean the that. right word. I, no, uh, that wasn't the right <laughs> word. You could. I don't know. Age I, her down a little bit. I did Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. Mm. They're very know, similar. Oh, I thought you didn't know who Margot Robbie <laughs> yeah, was. I did I blank. Like, I did blank for a what? second. You know, I love I her. Because I thought you were saying Saoirse Ronan, and I was like. No, so um, no, um, oh gosh, I feel like they're almost the same person. It's really hard to choose between them. She would be great. Both, would, yeah. I think both would be really good. Yeah, no, for sure. They're both very, very talented. Yeah. I think, I think it. Marco Robbie's like almost like, like too much. Too hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Claire and I have talked about this. We yeah. are. Okay. Um, she only gets hot roles. Yes. Yeah. You typecast. And like Cat in the Hot Tin Roof, she's she is hot. Yeah. And she, Maggie marries up from her circumstances in life. True. And I believe that more from Carrie Mulligan than from Margot. I'm saying her looks help her mar- to marry. Oh, up. I see. I see. Not that Carrie Mulligan isn't. I think I want Maggie. I mean Margot. Great. I'll I'll give it to you. Thanks. You're welcome. And Brick Zephron. Is Brick is Zephron. What a wild I don't feel cast. great. I, I don't wish feel she great was about gay. That. I feel like. Or bi. <gasps> what about that guy who played uh, ooh, Spock in Star Trek? What's his name? It's, I don't remember. But he's gay. Is he handsome? Yeah. I'm into it. Let's do it. He looks a little bit like Spock, but. Is it just because he has pointy ears? Or? No, he doesn't really have pointy ears. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, where's it? Do you have your phone? Uh, no, it's... Dang it. It's recording us. <laughs> What's his name? I'm going to look it up. Can I look it up really quick? Uh, yes, you can. All right. All right. Shoot. Because if you get it's this, happening. it's a tie. So there's a lot riding on Spock. Yeah, there actually is. 
He would be an okay. Um, I believe, you know. Zachary Quinto or Quinto. Whichever one you prefer. Would he be siblings with Nicholas Braun? I don't know who that is. Oh, that's the guy. Oh, I see. Uh, maybe. Great. Oh, sorry. That was probably really long. Uh, don't worry about it. Yeah, great. Great. He's from Pittsburgh. I thought he was British, actually. We love a guy from Pittsburgh. Yeah, no, he looks awesome. Good job. Awesome. Thank you. Just thought of that. Three to three. All right. Well, great. All right. Uh, what have you been watching, Sarah? Um. Well, we just started watching uh, last night Flight Attendant. It's on oh, yeah. HBO. It had like a surprise twist in it. and yeah, not, not what I thought was going to be. I don't know. We were really into it. I was, in, I was into it, for sure. Yeah. So that's kind of my newer one. Great. You? Um, I've been watching... Um, I mean, like you had, had so much time off this week. I know so. I have hardly watched anything, honestly. Um, but uh, the Tiger the Tiger Woods documentary on um, HBO Max, uh, super good. Um, mm. If if Tiger Tiger Woods is a very fascinating person to me, um, his 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 rise, his subsequent fall, and then his rise, then again. rise again out of the ashes. Yeah, super good. Oh, I also remembered the Undoing is pretty good. I just yeah. don't like uh murder mystery type thing that like it's the very obvious choice mm-hmm. you know like that person yeah, that did it different. and we got that it little, kind of the like, whole time yeah i was like yep yeah like i stayed up late because i thought it like, would be a, a twist give me a give me a scooby-doo twist, a at, twist the end. at the end and that's what i had a problem with in uh knives out but whatever so hmm. william yes uh do you feel hot today um, judging by the fact that it is like negative four outside, I'm gonna go with no. It's very do fair. Not. But you got to stay home all day. I did get to stay home all day, but that doesn't usually make you feel hot. It makes you feel kind of like sometimes Bleh. I feel hot. Okay. Okay. Uh, Sarah, do you feel hot? Um, you know, actually, I felt pretty good today. Uh, yeah, that's basically all I gotta say about that. Great. I don't know. You have those days where you wake up and you're like, yeah. It's gonna be a good day. Awesome. That's how I felt. So yeah, I feel pretty hot. What's your crush? Um, my crush is actually a very big crush. Um, it's a very powerful experience wow. for me. Um, really excited. I love driving on the highway in this nice weather, of course. Um, to "Pray for Me" by Kendrick Lamar, um, from the Black Panther soundtrack. Oh, it's it solid. Is, it's a it's a religious experience. It it has really changed me. It feel it makes me feel. <laughs> so powerful and so like in control of my life when like it i feel so not in control most of the time but when that moment happens and i'm just like blaring it do you listen to that on the way to work um like most most days no i mean like it'll have to pop up on my playlist and i'm like fuck yeah i need this right now (laughs) um that's how passionate (laughs) i feel about that uh, Will, what's your crush? Uh, my crush is warmth. Is that cliche? It doesn't matter. It has um, been very cold been really in cold. Kansas. As, well, across the whole dang United States, actually. Sure, but especially in Kansas. I'm just kidding. Yeah. If you're north of us, we apologize. Sarah? It must be worse. Are you mad at me? No. Solid, solid. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Are you mad at me? I'm not, actually. Good. No, not even a little bit. I love you. Okay. Um, look, <laughs> we're on YouTube now. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. 
find us, the Playwrights Podcast. Anywhere you listen to your podcast. Anywhere you listen to your podcast. Yeah. Um, give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Give us a comment. Give us a comment. We love you. Uh, we love doing this. And yeah. we're going to keep doing it indefinitely, you know? It's fun. It's fun. Uh, so. so thanks for tuning in. We hope you learned a little something. We hope uh, to hear from you. And we'll let you know what next play the play is next week um, via Insta and Facebook. Yes. Um, so thanks again. We love yeah. you. And good, good night. night.